As I was preparing for today, I, I came across a passage I'd like to read to you. It's God speaking through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 58, and it's the message paraphrase of that, um, of, of that, uh, that word from God. Um, so listen here for Isaiah chapter 58. This is the kind of fast day I'm after. This is God speaking to Israel. To break the chains of injustice, to get rid of exploitation in the workplace, to free the oppressed, to cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. This passage, among many things, it reflects God's heart, his intention for there to be a direct correlation between our spiritual lives and our sacrifices, things like fasting, and the practical acts of serving others uh, that should inevitably flow out of our drawing closer to a God whose heart breaks for those whose hearts are broken. St. John's has an over 125 year history of reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus in practical ways. And I was thinking about some of the ways I've just been invited into the narrative of in my time here over the last over 12 years now. And uh, one of them was one of my predecessors, Pastor Charles Burmeister. He's probably the most famous pastor to ever serve here at St. John's. I won't be famous. No one will remember me in 100 years. But they were going to remember Pastor Charles, and he had a son, Jonathan, who grew up right here, and he and his wife, Nancy, felt the call of God to um, serve on the Ivory Coast as Bible translators. And they did this work for over 40 years and celebrated. They were, they were installed and, and, and prayed over in and, and not an unsimilar way to the way we're going to pray over the McDaniels here. And so 40 years later, they came to celebrate 40 years of faithful ministry. And that was just within the few years that I had started here at St. John's and a few years before Jonathan had passed away. Our church has been a part of uh, resettling refugee families through Lutheran World Relief, sending quilts around the world as holy comforters, and more recently, as most of you who have been around know, in our partnership for the last decade with Holly and Fred Okoth and the Good News Community Center in Kenya, the church that's a part of their ministry, and in the building of the Good News Maguena Academy and their growing child sponsorship program. I know many of you here today are uh, participants of that and sponsor kids in that way. Uh, these are just some of the ways that uh, we as a, a church have collectively been a part of serving others, and especially others who are children and families around the world as an expression of the kind of fasting and faithful service that God calls us into in response to what God has done for each and every one of us. And so today, I am really excited to share with you the latest way in which God has invited us to support and to participate in his work around the world. And that is through the work that Jared and Mary McDaniel, along with their three young boys, um, are participating in. Uh, again, they've been involved at St. John's here for about two years, and Jared recently began a new role as a full-time missionary for an organization called World Orphans. And before we invite them up to speak, um, I want to show 
you a video that Jared shared with me that gives us just a glimpse into the kind of work that the ministry Jared is being called into serving does. And so let's watch. Belnish didn't want to do it. No mother imagines this day will come. Women don't look into the eyes of their newborn children and dream of letting another dry those tears, tickle those feet, or hold those hands. But she didn't have options. Her husband had died. And Beniam needed what all growing boys need, food, medicine, education. Beniam was four years old when he walked hand in hand with her to the door of the orphanage. His hands, so tiny. His eyes, so big. She promised she'd visit often. She believed this was his best chance for survival. After all, at least he would get meals and an education. She visited as frequently as possible, but after two years, Beniam, the child she carried in her womb for nine months, did not recognize her face. The pain of that reality echoed into her very bones. But her story doesn't end there. When a local church learned about her circumstances, they provided Belnish with a small business loan to start a tea shop and gave her the opportunity to connect with similar women in the savings program. She went back to the orphanage, but this time it wasn't to visit. She left that day with Beniam by her side. As a monthly supporter, you make stories like Beniam's possible. Your generosity enables us to partner with churches to care for orphan children, strengthen hurting families, and offer life-giving hope. Thank you for helping us empower the church to care for orphans until they all have homes. Well, let's uh, give a warm welcome to Jared and Mary McDaniel who are here with us this morning. So why don't you begin um, by introducing yourselves as, as a family? Yeah. If you haven't met us before, my name is Jared. This is my wife, Mary. <clears throat> we have three boys, Levi, who's eight, Will is six, and Caleb is one and a half. Um, mm -hmm. We've been coming to St. John's for about two years, mm -hmm. ever since the infamous Donkey Sunday of Palm Sunday. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, sh you shared that this morning. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't been around for very long, two years ago on Palm Sunday, it was a it was a prayer of mine. It took 10 years, and Ashley Sweeney was the one. She knew a farmer, and the farmer brought the donkey for Palm Sunday, and that was the first Sunday you came to St. John's. Yeah. We had livestock in the sanctuary. Yeah. <laughs> Which, as camp ministry people, we thought really it was spoke awesome. to us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we, I grew up in Colorado. Mary grew up in Michigan. Mm -hmm. We met in California. We were both doing a year there with YWAM, um, which is a missions organization, Youth with a Mission. Um, after that, we've moved around a lot. We've mm -hmm. moved 11 years, or 11, not 11 years, we've moved 11 times in the 13 years we've yeah. been married, um, wow. have served in church youth ministry and in a lot of camp ministries mm -hmm. um, in Colorado, and then in Oklahoma, um, which is where we first learned about this World Warfare's mm -hmm. opportunity. Mm -hmm. yeah. We were working with a camp called New Life Ranch, um, up until the time when COVID hit. And so through the pandemic, they decided to cut my program. I was in 
um, outdoor education and adventure ministries there. Laid off myself and a bunch of my staff um, and really plunged us into this season of uncertainty and trying to figure out what God was doing there and where God was calling us next. Mm. Uh, we thought that was going to be the place. We thought we, we were did. putting our roots down. We were tired of yeah. moving even at that point. Yeah. Um, and we're looking for some place to settle. We yeah. had just bought our first house at the beginning of 2020. I think we closed the end of January. Mm. And so then when, you know, things dissolved around us at the ministry, um, it was certainly like a, well, why did you call us here if it was just all going to fall apart? Yeah. Um, that yeah. sensation. And the sensation, if you've Hopefully this hasn't happened to you, but if you've ever been hurt in a church or in a ministry, um, or it's very layered and yeah. very painful um, to feel like people that were on your team are not on your team the way you thought they were on your team. Yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, 2020 really left us scratching our heads um, and hurt. Well, and be- because yeah. ministry, I think, in a lot of times... Like, it isn't just a job, right? right. This right. was your family. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you you moved for this. It was your mission, all of that. And you sunk roots. You had two young boys. You bought a house. And then all of it, yeah. it all was taken away. Yeah, it just kind of imploded overnight. Yeah. And, and Jared heard about World Orphans in the middle of job hunting, mm-hmm. um, in the middle of that. Uh, and he was thrilled. Um, would you say that's fair? No, he was very excited. Yeah. yeah. Um, and as you'll hear, uh, I had some reservations about it <laughs> um, and some of the commitments it would mean for our family. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah, we heard about it through a friend who was a pastor who we really cared about and trusted. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of things about the ministry and the way that they care for families and focus on relationships and work through churches really spoke to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were in the middle of you know, unemployment and job hunting, and it wasn't the right time. Yeah. So yeah. ended up doing about a year with a company that installed smart home systems and computer networks and similar camera systems to what church uses here. Um, and then stepped back, felt like God was calling us back into ministry, and that's when we moved to this area, and I started a position with Covenant Harbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been doing that for the past couple of years, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a great ministry, and we really appreciate um, camp and the people there and, and the way that camp ministry works. Mm-hmm. Um, camp ministry has always been how we felt we were kind of called to live out our our mission of caring for people and discipling people. Um, but I think that the world orphans transition will be a much better fit for our family. Um, and we're excited to step into that now. Well, and it's it's interesting to me as I've heard your story a couple of times now is that it was this moment of incredible instability mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. your family um, that that seed was planted, that you yeah. could be stepping yeah. out into this role. Um, and it wasn't the timing, but yet, here we are. This has been four years now, right? right? And yeah. we're back, and now you're serving them full time. And so um, maybe let's back up a little bit. Tell, yeah. tell us a little bit about World Orphans. We saw the video, but tell us about the organization. Right, like you saw in the video... Um, what really surprised us about the orphan crisis around the world is that you know, there's about 140 million orphans worldwide, but 80% of those that are in orphanages have a living relative or a living parent, mm-hmm. um, which blew our minds mm-hmm. when we first learned that. Yeah. 
I think we always have this picture of you know some tragic accident that led to a child being orphaned and they have nowhere else to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sad truth is that globally, the biggest driver of kids being in an orphanage is poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that's poverty linked with substance abuse or linked with gang violence or linked with political instability. Um, but that mothers or parents or grandparents have to make the choice between do I keep my kids in my family um, where they are with me but might starve, or do I take them to an orphanage? Yeah, so they really feel like in eight out of ten cases, I've heard this statistic in other places Mm -hmm. too, and it's Mm mind-blowing. In eight out of ten cases, these kids in orphanages have a parent or a family member. And if it wasn't for poverty, they could be being taken care of, but Mm -hmm. this parent has no other choice. And so they bring their child to an orphanage. That's what you're... That's exactly right. Yeah, Yeah, and so you can kind of approach that crisis from different perspectives. Um, There are wonderful ministries that do orphanages and child sponsorship. Um, And our approach, though, is to try and get the family stabilized and preserved back to a point where kids can be reunited or stay in their families and the trajectory of their life and family is changed for the better. Mm -hmm. The family is no longer in that vulnerable position of having to make the choice of, can I feed my kids today or not? Um, Or are my kids safe in my home or not? And so World Orphans identifies churches um, in nine countries around the world because we believe that kids belong in families and that God works through the local church um, and empower those churches to help care for the vulnerable families that are in their communities. Mm -hmm. So how is this different? There's so many different organizations. You know, you may be like me and you get mailers all the time from different organizations that do orphan care um, how does World Orphans approach this? You've, you've alluded to yeah. some of this, but how do they do it different than maybe some other places? Sure. I mean, the big difference is you know, preservation versus intervention. Yeah. Um, so we're trying to, to preserve families um, and not just provide a safe place for an orphan child or a, a child that can't stay at home to go, mm-hmm. um, which is actually the organization World Orphans started to build orphanages, yeah. which is, I think, kind of remarkable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm. But then after they've been around for about 30 years, um, in the early 2000s, had this kind of paradigm shift that really in these places where they were working, they didn't need more orphanages. There mm. were enough. They needed a way to stabilize the mm-hmm. families and keep kids at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the main difference is caring for the whole family holistically, emotionally, spiritually, physically, intellectually to strengthen that family as a unit. Yeah. Well, and I, I find it fascinating, not, not only is that the experience of World Orphans, but uh, Good News Kenya, when mm-hmm. we began supporting Holly and Fred and what they're doing in Kenya, they had plans to build an orphanage mm-hmm. too, and ended up abandoning those plans because they learned firsthand what you're describing, and instead they've decided to completely pivot and build a school. And then like the child sponsorship program that a lot of you are involved in doesn't just support the child, but it's enough to support the family. Because if mom and dad aren't eating, their needs yeah. aren't met, and they can't meet the needs of their kids. And so it, it is a, it's a whole different approach, but a holistic approach. And it's one that for us, because we knew Holly, we had a personal relationship with her, we were able to make a connection with this church in Kenya halfway around the world. But the truth is, most churches... Many churches, I should say, don't have that kind of personal relationship like this. And so what's your role with, with World Orphans to help churches stateside develop that? Yeah, it's to develop that personal relationship. Yeah. So we work in nine countries um, through local churches. So in 
and I believe that video was from Ethiopia, which is one of our um, bigger programs. So there, we have staff on the ground in Ethiopia that identify churches that already have a heart, Ethiopian churches, already have a heart for their community, already are doing some outreach, um, but are limited either by their training or by the programs they're offering or by um, finances. And we provide them training on our program, um, which is holistic, you know, it includes discipleship and pastoral care, but also social worker visits and counseling and food assistance and job training or microloan programs, um, school assistance um, to strengthen that whole family. And then my role is to find a church in the U.S. that wants to form a long-term one-to-one partnership with that Ethiopian church, for example. Um, and so then they, that church in the U.S. helps to financially support the Ethiopian church, but more importantly, they build relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. And they get to see how the body of Christ is living and working around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, helps the U.S. church to develop a heart for the vulnerable in their community and to really see long-term mm-hmm. impact instead of just kind of scattershot sending short-term missions trips um, somewhere. Yeah. So tell me, like, your whole, at least your marriage, right? You guys have really been primarily invested in camp ministry. Mm -hmm. This is a very different aspect of serving. And I'm sensing that Mary wasn't very excited about it when you got in touch with this person back in 2020. So where's the connection between what you guys have done before and what what you're going to be doing here. How were you called into this uniquely as a family? Yeah. Great question. <laughs> almost is, like I told you I was going to ask yeah. it, right? Yeah. Right, almost like I have notes on that. Um, <laughs> it is a different like outworking of, of ministry, a different um, program than what we've done in the past. Yeah. But it fits well with who God has created us to be and the passions that we have mm-hmm. for um, working with people, for working with discipleship, for helping those that were, we know and love to grow more into who God has created them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my role specifically is, is U.S.-based. We're not moving. Um, the organization is decentralized. Everyone works remotely. Mm-hmm. So we'll be staying in this community, mm-hmm. in this area, um, which is good for our family, and that helps us you know, keep developing the roots that we have here, um, and it helps me branch out into churches around Wisconsin or Northern Illinois and build relationships with them um, internationally. Yeah. Yeah, there's like very exciting aspects about Jared going on board with World Orphans and there are, um, like we don't have to move. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, When we moved into the house that we have here, I recycled all of our moving boxes, which felt like a real act of faith. (laughs) Um, But one of the scary things, I mean, for me... For one of the scary things is we are fully fundraising his salary. Um, And so this really is a role where it feels like we need to be on board as a team because, um, you know, we have three boys and they aren't that old, but they eat a staggering amount. It only gets worse. That's what people say. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Um, And so there is certainly... Like, we are exercising our faith muscles yeah. to step into this. Absolutely. Well, and you, you shared with me at one point in one of mm-hmm. our conversations just, too, about how your own season of instability that wasn't very long ago where you didn't know where you were going to find the things that you needed to provide for your family has kind of fed into your call to serve other people in that context. Is that... Yeah. You know... 
as we've had all these conversations, you you look back in hindsight and you see God doing things. Um, I'm sure you've seen this in your own story that you're like, I had no idea what was happening then. But in the, the middle of 2020, as Jared is getting excited about world orphans and I'm like, whoa, babe, we got to go to Aldi, you know, like um, we have a mortgage now. There are all of these things. Uh, but it was that that sense of instability that gives us, I think, some empathy for that now, that we joked about, well, there's always Jared's parents' basement. If we really get in trouble, we can always go to the, like, we can always move to And Colorado. did they know you were having this conversation? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. They're but the fallback had, plan. We had so many safety nets. We did. Know? I mean, yeah. if the, the worst thing that, you know, if we lost the house and everything, we would have been fine. Yeah. We would have survived. Our family you had family, you had a up. church, you had yeah. all this right. stuff. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. So recognizing that that is a privilege that we have that and that there are individuals that there, there is no safety net. Right. The orphanage is their safety net for their children. Um, yeah, there is a real symmetry there. Uh, and just one of those like, hmm, isn't that interesting that that's what the Lord was doing yeah. in 2020 when I was like, no, thank you. Yeah. Um, I was learning a lot about what it felt like to be unstable Yeah. and for our family to feel unstable. Well, yeah. you shared that at the first service, and I had conversation with several people out in the narthex afterwards. <laughs> Um, I, you know, talking about like one woman shared about how their house was flooded. Their, it was their mm. dream home that they built and it was in a flood plain and it was devastating. And yet, looking mm. back, she could see the way in which God was using that moment to move them to where they are right now mm. um, and to where she is right now. And she didn't see it at the time. Yeah. I mean, just show of hands, how many of you have been through a terrible situation that later on you look back and you see God had you? Mm and he was drawing you to something new. Show of hands. Mm. All right, good. So we've yeah. got plenty. I'll interview you next week, okay? <laughs> um, you never want to raise your hands again. Yeah. <laughs> World Orphans is still hiring, right? Yeah, um, so, so our role as a church is, you know, we have a relationship with a congregation and a ministry mm-hmm. in Kenya. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's not our purpose here. What we want, what we feel called to is you are one of us. You're, yeah, you're a you. family who's part Part of the family here at St. John's, and so how can we provide you know you with the support that you need so that you have the stability that you need to share that with others? Um, because you need your needs taken care of. So how can we support you? How can we pray for you? What are some of those ways? Yeah, thank you. Um, well, very practically, we're still raising financial support for mm-hmm. this. So my position is 100% um, support funded. I raise my own salary. Um, which is true of all of the U.S.-based World Orphans staff. Um, so that's like kind of our immediate practical need. Yeah. Um, we've had a lot of wonderful individuals and churches that have mm-hmm. stepped in to help us mm-hmm. um, and support us, but we still um, are a little short of our goal where we mm-hmm. need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm only doing part-time World Orphans right now until we can hit um, a fundraising threshold where I can move to full-time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so that's, <clears throat> excuse me, one very practical way. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also... I mean, we need your support as a church family. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are tired of moving. Uh, <laughs> and so we're excited to be, to be staying here, to be putting roots down in this community. Um, your kids still going to the same schools mm-hmm. and yeah, all that absolutely. kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 How about absolutely. for you? Yeah. Um, when I think about what the boys and I need, um, we need your prayer support just 
as we keep taking one step at a time in faith. Uh, and then there are practical needs that we have as just a young family in a church that we need community and um, we need teachers for the children's ministry. Um, Tom really didn't pay me to say this, but um, that has been a blessing to our kids. Um, I got our middle kiddos permission to share that recently on Sunday nights, he's been thanking God for our church. And he is not like our um, emotive, intellectual, reflective thinker. And so as he's been praying these things, I'm like, what's going on here? Tell me about, like, why are you thanking God for our church? What's happening? And it's the children's classes. Mm. He feels like this is a safe church home, and he's excited to come to church Mm -hmm. um, because of the children's ministry. And I I grew up in the church, and I was not always excited to come to church (laughs) on a Sunday morning. Um, And so it's very exciting for me as a parent to see him so delighted um, and see our kids delighted to go to children's ministry. So volunteer for children's ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my mm-hmm. my request. Mm-hmm. And who's his teacher? He has Martha. Yeah. 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 You were saying that yeah. he was thanking God specifically for yes. Martha. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 She's she's lovely. That's so awesome. um, please know that if you are volunteering, those that time spent with our kids is not um, unnoticed by parents. That mm-hmm. is a big deal in our kids' lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Anything else? Otherwise, we, we're not going to leave you without praying for you. So, sure. Yeah. Um, is there anything I missed? Yeah. Did we miss so. anything? I don't know. I Nothing don't on my so. notes. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's pray for you um, and your boys, even though they're not here. I want to invite you folks to join us in this as well. Um, if you want to bow your heads and maybe even physically reach out as a sign of support as you are joining us in prayer uh, for the McDaniels and. Um, let's, let's pray together now. Heavenly Father, we, we want to just lift up to you Jared and Mary and their sons, Levi, Will, and Caleb, as they have already begun this new adventure in serving you through World Orphans. Thank you for their years of dedication to camp ministry and youth ministry, and we, we celebrate, we rejoice in this exciting new direction that you're taking them on. We, we pray specifically that you would, you would be with Jared as he takes on this role of church partnership director. May you guide him in finding and fostering relationships with churches around the world. Will you bless their efforts to to ultimately be used by you to prevent families from breaking apart and empower local churches to provide care and hope and love to vulnerable children and families. Father, we pray for the very real needs of their family, the financial provisions for Jared's ministry. Would you provide for their every need? Touch the hearts of those who are here today and in many other places who are feeling your spirit stirring in us to get involved in such a meaningful way by supporting Jared and his family in this, in this ministry. Lord, surround their family with your grace and love. Strengthen not just Jared, but, but also Mary and their three precious boys in this, this new hands-on role of caring for widows and orphans. Would you strengthen them as a family as they're used by you to strengthen other families? We pray for your guidance and for your wisdom and for your protection on this journey as they are marked and they share the transformational power of the gospel. As a church family, we commit to praying for and and surrounding the McDaniel family regularly. May your presence be felt 
in every aspect of their lives. And, and may we with joy be anticipating the updates and rejoice in the way uh, that we get to be a part of this journey with them. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give Jared and Mary a hand of encouragement. Thank you both. Um, we're going to show just a real brief video here, and then I'll, I'll remind you of some ways that you can support them specifically this morning. Let's watch. Ashti loves learning in school. Kofi is able to get medicine when he's sick. Esther enjoys eating a good breakfast before she goes to school. Mateo lives with his grandmother. She provides for him by working at her small business. It's important for children to be able to go to school, get medicine when they're sick, eat good food, and have a safe place to sleep at night. Above all, it's important for kids to know just how loved they are. World Orphans works with local churches to help families like Ashtis and Kofis, making sure boys and girls can go to school and visit the doctor. Families like Esther's and Mateo's are assisted through food kits that help them eat well and job training that 